0: Welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by a panel of industry leaders as we discuss the following topic. Kubernetes, is it the ultimate solution or is it overhyped? Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just go around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. Kenneth, would you like to kick us off first?
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Kenneth Brandt. I sit as uh, Head of IT Architecture and Engineering in Global, uh, Global Connect. Uh, I've worked in Google Connect for roughly three three years, uh, almost, uh, and before that have uh, around uh, 15 years more uh, of IT uh, experience uh, in uh, in the industry. Uh, so have uh, both had my uh, share fair of uh, work with Kubernetes, but also uh, just in general other operational uh, services and what we should be delivering as an IT organisation to the to the different uh, companies um yeah uh, basically uh, uh, i don't know if uh, we want a little history but yeah i started in IBM around 18 19 years ago in service desk and uh, since then been uh, building myself up uh, in uh, the uh, yeah IT industry and uh, uh, yeah in roles and so,
2: so on amazing Lasse, all right So my name is Levin. I uh, work at uh, DSV, uh, transport and uh, logistics. Uh, I am uh, holding the position of manager for development, security and operations in the digital enterprise transformation department. Um, I've been in IT for the last 12 years, I'd say. uh, Starting out with the operations part of uh, IT, doing data centers, uh, server maintenance and so forth, and moved towards uh, the DevOps discipline around eight years ago. Uh, I've been working at uh, PwC in that capacity and then now in uh, DSV. And um, outside that, uh, with, uh, outside the DSV, uh, I guess it's really the, just a lot of running, biking and uh, being with the family. Uh, it doesn't leave a lot of time for a lot of the different things.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can also. Yeah, I just got a kid, so uh, that takes all my free time. (laughs) So he's now half a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just on that, I've just gotten into running myself, and any tips for me, Lasse?
2: I probably don't start out too hard. I'd say, even though I every time I have a break and I think I'm still in decent shape, I end up running hard for like a month, and then I'll have like an injury for two months, and then I can continue. So Take a
0: nice sneezing. I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. Um, I might also use that as an excuse to not do some runs as well though. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organisation to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now we've got some context of each of you. Let's move on to the topic in focus. So Kubernetes, is it the ultimate solution or is it overhyped? I think it's best to start off by answering, well, as best as you can, answering that question before we go on to some sub-questions. So who wants to go first on that? Is it the ultimate solution or is it overhyped?
2: Well, seeing as Kenneth had a few years on me in terms of seniority, I'll leave it to him uh, okay. <laughs> to, to start out.
0: Uh, well, at
1: least uh, I would say I, I do not think it's overhyped in that sense. I think it's... Uh, Uh, a great uh, tool to uh, uh, build a proper uh, uh, both segregation of normal operations and uh, uh, what you need to develop. Uh, So the way you can kind of coordinate and set up uh, Kubernetes clouds and so on that separates them from uh, what it's being run on is uh, immensely powerful. It is really uh, also helping segregation of duties and uh, 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 operational responsibilities and making life much easier in the organizations where it's uh, built. So I don't think it's overhype, uh, but I don't think it's the ultimate solution, either because I think there's many cases uh, where you just need a normal server and you just need to run uh, 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 services uh, on that uh, as well. So you will be needing a mix uh, of, uh, uh, of of both running Kubernetes and also just running services on servers. Uh, so you need a, a hybrid model. I don't think everything is uh, built for uh, built for running in um, in a Kubernetes a cluster setup, if you can say it like that.
2: I tend to agree. Um, I think uh, Kubernetes is definitely a, a fantastic tool, but I also think that people gravitates toward, uh, and, and I don't even know if I want to call Kubernetes new at this point in time, uh, but at least buzzwords or what's floating around, which, which basically means just because you know uh, you've heard about Kubernetes, shouldn't necessarily uh, apply it. I think if you want to have Kubernetes implemented in your organization, first of all, uh, you need a certain size, and by that, I simply mean not that Kubernetes requires a certain size of, of the company in of, of itself, but to support the functionality and actually apply it to a degree of functionality that makes sense, requires so much around it, uh, the competencies to to drive a proper Kubernetes setup. It's not something you should do if you have like a ten man company or a startup consisting of uh, the same size. You you do need a lot of support and a lot of uh, competences to to actually utilize the functionality of it. Otherwise, you are just it's a little bit like uh, buying a Ferrari and then you know driving a uh, twenty kilometers uh, that doesn't really make sense. So it needs to be applied with uh, a lot of thought.
1: Yeah, I also actually agree a bit with this that uh, you do need uh, a lot of competences and and I also think you need to find the right uh, areas where. Uh, It is to be used, uh, which is, for example, uh, especially for scalable um, uh, development solutions, usually business solutions. Uh, We can take an example as uh, uh, SCAT uh, every year, uh, uh, or the taxation company for you, Jake. But every year, for example, they uh, need to heavily scale up their infrastructure when uh, people need to check their taxation uh, uh, um, and how much uh, they're going to be taxed. And it happens around uh, in a month's time or something in Denmark every year. Uh, And uh, then basically the load on the website could heavily, uh, uh, if it was properly Kubernetes, it would be able to scale up a lot more virtual machines to handle the the website load uh, in in a very, very uh, uh, strong manner. Uh, but uh, I would say at the moment, I don't think it's designed like that because at the at the moment we instead get in a long, long queue of 100,000 people trying to get into the site. So instead it limits the restriction of uh, everyone uh, to get into the site and you sit in a queue for, you know, a few hours. Yeah.
2: That is, uh, I would imagine, something all Danes can relate to uh, this is a very <laughs> particular case. <laughs> and, and I will be honest, I, I don't know how uh, SCAT is built or, or the infrastructure it runs on, but the scalability seems to be uh, a place where they still have room for improvement, that's for sure. Uh, and I would imagine if they were using something like uh, Kubernetes that, at least on the infrastructure side, that would help with that functionality. But I will also say, I think that there's probably also something something on the application side that needs to be optimized to actually, yeah you know, support this. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Amazing. So, overall, the consensus there is that maybe not, maybe not overrated, but also not the ultimate solution. Just depends where you're using it and how you're using it. Yeah,
1: I, I think you need to to look at also your your scale as an organization and stuff like that. I mean, if you are a five five people company and stuff like that, and you only just have a website that you need to support and so on. You don't need all the, the fancy Kubernetes. You just need an uh, IIS uh, service that can uh, uh, host your website and stuff like that. So it's like you need to you need to 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 use it with uh, care. And I think for enterprise. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, companies and stuff like that. I think it's a great tool, and it's uh, helping a lot uh, in both uh, the the capacity and the scaling and stuff like that. But uh, and it's definitely also helping a lot with the operational management of uh, uh, yeah elements, because uh, I mean in in my personal company we always have the situation that an os runs out of support and we need to upgrade it and we need to do all kinds of actions then with our development units uh, to be able to make that happen if you completely separate those things apart in uh, building a kubernetes cluster for them being serviced by let's assume 10 15 virtual servers below Uh, then you can always just take one or two servers out of the load and replace them with a a higher OS version, for example. So uh, that is uh, also a really, really good feature of Kubernetes. Uh,
2: I think uh, you could probably uh, expand on that uh, just a little bit. So you mentioned the service, for instance, let's say uh, that that Kubernetes, you want to go from 1.25 to 1.26 or whatever the version change you might do. And you can do these kind of rolling updates. That's, uh, you know, a fantastic point. But also, if we take it a step further and say, what about the application level, let's say, uh, since you're doing Kubernetes, you're containerizing your application. What happens when you need to, you know, update your base images? You need to make sure the new CVs are. Uh, correct it or you want to swap libraries or you know all manner of, of items just at least if you structure it uh, somewhat decently you can have all of this centralized in a very efficient manner um, I, I don't know what you guys run but uh, if you are running Java you might remember not uh, this winter but last winter and we had Lock 4 j coming out uh, the whole yep. <laughs> uh, incident uh so we, we had different departments in the, in dsv that were running on the more traditional uh, infrastructure they were patching linux servers they were patching like packages they were rolling it out and you know whatever and they were it was a real nightmare for them and i remember as soon as the fix was available we updated basically our uh, base image that we're using for our containerized application and then we just uh, had arco pull all the updated images and that was kind of it. I think in reality, we probably spent on what should we say, technical work, maybe half an hour compared to, you know, the amount that some of the other teams were doing. And we were supporting at that time, I think, maybe 25 different uh, development uh, projects.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely also a a real, real advantage the moment you you get to scale and uh, yeah, if you really can containerize it in a proper manner. And that's again where the competences comes in. that uh, you need them to, to be able to uh, else you're just building in a blank box. If you can say it like that. Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of uh, back when people were moving to the cloud. Initially, they would take all the on-prem uh, architecture, and then they would uh, migrate it one to one to the cloud. And all of a sudden they were like, we have the exact same you know functionality. We're just paying like 10 times uh, yeah. the cost. Why is that? <laughs> um, and again that's the lack of or, or maybe taking people with the tradi- with the foundation in the older or more traditional infrastructure and they're simply not uh, maybe uh, been following that front so the first couple of years people were paying like outrageous amounts to move to the cloud and they started figuring out alright we actually need to modify our architecture to, to fit this new
0: landscape Yeah, absolutely yeah and something that you guys were touching on there was, was really kind of when when to use Kubernetes and when not to, but if you could just kind of summarize maybe when when does Kubernetes make sense or, you know, in terms of the size, type or overhead, that kind of thing, when does it make sense? So from a company
1: perspective, like how large do your company be to be or more, how uh... For example when you say the size uh, do you mean like the the scale of customers on your website or something like that
0: uh. yeah I mean sorry Lasse was, you, Lasse was you gonna jump in there
2: no <clears throat> I think I would flip the question just a little bit and say instead of saying yeah. how big should the company be I would say when can your company afford to you know uh, pay the expenses for running an efficient uh, Kubernetes cost, uh, cluster because there might be you know you might a very small company but that has like a built volume of customers and that would make sense right uh so when you can have a so team and that i would say that you need probably if you're doing enterprise at some like scale or even if you're not doing enterprise for i guess that's the question you want at least what two three engineers so they can actually like you know take a couple of days off once in a while um, without any uh, impact on the company or someone sick. So that's at least the salary of, of three DevOps engineers. And at least if you are getting Danish resources, and I know you can get someone in Poland, you can get someone in uh, Pakistan or India at, at a cheaper cost, but I'll say it, it, it quickly adds up. So when can your company you know, afford to do that? Because they do need to know, have some insight into infrastructure. They need to know something about not just infrastructure, but how do you run the operation? You need to know how does the development side of things do. You cannot just know how how a switch or, or routing network is is doing. You need to be able to actually see how the operators inside of Kubernetes is working. If you are going to apply them, and which one to apply. Uh, so when can your company afford to to have that kind of expense?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need you need an an actual you know. If, Kind of full IT department that uh, can, I mean, you you just went through uh, more than just what is in the, the, the head of two to three people, you know, I would say, because if you first get an infrastructure and you get another DevOps engineer and so on, and then you get a network guy. I mean, yeah, you're already talking three people and uh, that's just, you know, running uh, the, the baselines of the, the environment. Then you need the DevOps engineers on top of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we can expand even more Then you can say you might even want to version this, you want to do a terraform on top of it, you want to be someone that's, you know, cloud specialist so they can apply it unless you want to run it on-prem. And if you do want to run it on-prem, then you need another set of competencies. So, um, I mean, yeah. everyone everyone can go in and find some kind of uh, Ansible uh, playbook or they can find uh, whatever, you know, deployment method they want for, for Kubernetes on-prem. But you know, just deploying it and having it run, I think that's a little bit dangerous if you don't have the full set of uh, skills to support it, and you need to know exactly what is your um, game plan for the Kubernetes that you want to run in your company.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned the the location briefly of Kubernetes. There, you mentioned on prem, particularly. Would you mind going into a bit more detail around the the Kubernetes locations, be it on prem, cloud, multi cloud?
1: yeah well yeah i mean in it, it, basically what uh, at least what we have at the global connect is uh, we are we are having a large vmware infrastructure that is uh, posting uh, a lot of virtual servers and then we are using a tool called uh, rancher and we are also looking into Tanzu, uh, which is from uh, uh, the, the tool from vmware or now broadcom that was just purchased um but uh the and and, and there we will uh, are basically building our kubernetes clusters uh, then we basically are providing the cluster access to our developers who will then build uh, the, the, the the what what is needed inside uh, of that uh, kubernetes cluster and uh, then uh, we will of course uh, scale the load uh, with adding more virtual servers or not to the uh, to the platform and that, that's a bit how we, we do it uh, on-prem but in in reality that is kind of how you also do it on cloud where in the cloud you will also provide capacity cpu memory ram uh, virtually to uh to the to the cluster so uh, the, when you have set up this uh Kubernetes uh, cluster, you can, in reality, I've uh, at least seen some tools uh, capable of it pull uh, capacity from multiple sources to feed this cloud, uh, this Kubernetes cloud. So you could, for example, use... um, some on-prem uh, capacity. You could maybe also uh, connect it if you have a, a route to, uh, for example, Azure, and then add some uh, Azure capacity to it. So in that kind of sense, it's very flexible uh, uh, Kubernetes on how you uh, you you want to deploy it. And if you want to uh, go full cloud, then you just use cloud resources to uh, host your uh, your Kubernetes cluster.
0: That is. So, sorry to interrupt you, mate.
2: So that that is definitely uh, the the, the one, uh, what you call it, one side of the coin, uh, that whole aspect Uh, on our side, we are kind of uh, working on on what I think a lot of companies have been working on uh, hybrid clouds, where we are doing like some are public clouds uh, and and some are, uh, what should we say, private cloud. and having the ability to and this is kind of you know uh, a little bit of a unicorn dream i don't know if we'll ever completely get there but having the ability to basically you know uh, deploy applications or or infrastructure to one cloud one day another cloud the next day and on-prem the third day while having them all interconnected in a cluster mesh um, that that is uh, you know the, the big thing that at least in, on our side we are in the progress of trying to make a reality. Uh, but whether you run it one place or the other, um, it, it's I think uh, you said it well, Kenneth. It is kind of the same in the sense of what you get out of it. I will say if you do choose cloud, uh, you do get probably a lot more, uh, or you probably need a lot less competencies uh, because you can uh, you know abstract away a lot of the uh, on-prem com, uh, complexity such as the whole etcd or uh, the api service to a, uh, the control plane to a certain extent and uh, so forth because they will simply provide that out of the box but on the other hand yeah. you also you know pay a premium for that uh, that comfort
1: yeah that is true yeah yeah and i also think uh, for smaller companies that is looking into uh, to going uh, the kubernetes way obviously follow your <laughs> legislations and so on if you are uh, some type of a critical infrastructure vendor then you need to follow some national rules uh, but but else uh, uh, i would say definitely start in the cloud uh, uh, you know you need much less competences uh, uh, to um, to initially run the the core infrastructure that is going to be hosting your kubernetes cloud so uh, so that can cut away some uh, uh, some cost on 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 people uh, that that you would need uh, to 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 set it up
2: let's be honest it's a lot easier to get rid of the cloud infrastructure than it is to get rid of the people uh, once you don't need it anymore (laughs) or if it's not a good fit so uh, for sure you know uh, rather pay a little extra for the infrastructure at the start and then if it is the right fit and it is you know should go on prem then you can
0: get the the, the competencies uh, afterwards i'd say cool and something that, that i'm picking up on here is that well you guys are essentially teaching me about and i'm sure some of the listeners about the whole landscape of kubernetes when it's good when it's bad you know you, different use cases something i'm curious to know is based on all the stuff that that you guys have said it does sound very complex so does it make your it does it does it make your company's it easier to manage or does it just increase the complexity overall
1: so yeah i would say once you have it and once you know how to run it it is it, it definitely simplifying both the development uh, of uh, applications and the operational uh, setup and services and so on it significantly enhances uh, uh what the different units and uh, people can do without interfering in uh in because when you put build this kubernetes cluster you kind of are virtualizing the whole uh, layer of uh, what you put on servers normally uh and that layer and these containerized services it's in a container meaning what happens in there is just what developers wants to happen in there but then you have all the layers of as we talked about servers and uh, uh os linux or windows and so on uh, and you have uh, other let's say uh, malware protection other things like that all of that the developers don't anymore have to deal with where in the current world uh, in for example if we have to upgrade uh, a windows environment from windows 2008 or 12 to windows 2019 we need to check if it's compatible with the application versions all of the different elements of the application needs to be upgraded and so on it's uh, so it's gonna it basically adds a very large upgrade project to uh, a large application for example instead of it just being fully containerized where developers can upgrade their elements when they need to and uh, the server and the infrastructure people can uh, deal with um, uh, their uh, elements when they need to. So, so it really uh, can enhance uh, a lot uh, in the the workflow and uh, uh, definitely shorten down significantly the 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 lead time for doing uh, an OS upgrade and so on because you just pull and push uh, basically hosts to uh, host uh, the Kubernetes cluster.
2: Definitely, uh, and and all that, just to to build a little bit upon what you said, uh, I, I think all developers or, or people that have been running, you know, service with applications on them have heard the the term, uh, but it worked on my computer. Uh, you kind of you know take that uh, that away to a large degree. Uh, the fact that you can build artifacts and make sure those become immutable and they will behave the exact same no matter where you put them Uh, that uh, creates a large degree of comfort and and stability in in the whole process and you kind of also version your application uh, in this degree so that means if you do deploy something that is is not behaving as you expected the time you beforehand would have to roll back an application you had to remove it you had to make sure the config files were updated or rolled back and so forth can now be done. in I would say under a minute if you do it the correct way because you send this one back to exact previous one because the artifact was immutable
1: yeah yeah and that that's that's really one of also the big benefits is that you are you're virtualizing it to such a degree that you constantly can have oh the what was previous version looking like what was previous version where in the traditional uh it world uh, you kind of have like oh now i have uh, deployed these uh, executable files on this server and they are running now and they are now updated and upgraded and then oh, I have to roll back all of that, roll back the database, roll back everything. Then that can easily take, you know, half a day or more. Uh, and now it's uh, maybe being done within a few minutes uh, uh, with Kubernetes. So there's a ton of uh, uh, gains and advantages for uh, the technical people uh, uh, aside of, uh, uh, of course, the business getting all the scalability and all these kind of things they want. You
2: know. Yeah, we we had uh, beforehand, and and we still, of course, have it other places in the company. This lengthy uh, change management process, precisely because of this, that you had to go through, and you had people that had to approve it, who might didn't even understand what they're approving because they don't know that do- they don't have the domain knowledge, they don't know the business value, and so forth. But they still kind of have to give you an evaluation of it based off the change request you made, that is providing a lot of overhead and maybe not as much value just to to have this like what is your uh, rollback plan and so forth eliminating that means that in our end we can basically and some teams do do it at the moment uh, deploy to production environments multiple times a day if needed
1: yeah yeah absolutely Uh, because this is also some of the heavy heavy uh, loads in running um, uh, ITIL services within an IT organization, uh, as you mentioned, change management, and, and uh, that is a, a heavy load uh, on, uh, you know, both managers and technical people having to fill out a lot of material, trying to explain things to people who is not technical. <laughs> that is always a challenge. And uh, yeah, it, it is a... Definitely a big, big plus that you can well just roll out. Ah, oh, it doesn't work as intended. Then roll back, and it's it's fixed within a minute or two. You don't and and you will always get it back to a version that is working, which is uh, one of the big risks when you are uh, traditionally upgrading things and uh, uh, p- building executables on a server and so on.
0: Yeah. A, a question that I have as well, a bit f- just from a curious perspective for you two personally is that obviously you guys are leadership and managerial level now what is your relationship with kubernetes personally is it the case that you're using it yourself and playing around or is it the case that it's your your devops engineers and, and the guys are that are more technical and hands-on that are doing doing all this stuff as well
1: uh yeah I, i'm a, i'm a managerial in the way that uh, i sit with the, the architecture in general and uh, like the principles and the roadmap and where we are going and which tools and services we are choosing for the different areas so what i usually do and especially when we have new tools i do uh, uh, participate in for example vendor work- workshops seeing the tool i also uh, see uh, the tool when uh, engineers has installed it uh, to test and validate what it's capable of uh, uh, and so on but I do let the technical people do uh, more uh, hands-on work in the in the in the tool uh, and then they can show uh, show it to me so so that's uh, I don't have uh, heavy hands on experience with it but uh, I have a second hands I would say
2: (laughs) so for my part As, as the department that I'm running at the moment has grown, uh, I do have a lot less time with hands-on compared to what I had previously. I would say when we did start out, I was probably 50-50. I'll say these days it's more likely, I want to say 40-60, but it's most likely like 30-70. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do try to involve myself a lot in, in it. And I remember back when I was studying and taking my, my degree and so forth, I uh, set up a home lab and uh, I still have that running to this day and uh, being upgraded with well, Kubernetes these days, but uh, you know, a, a variety of technologies. Uh, so as I said, when, when I'm off work and not running and not with the family, then the little bit of time I have might go into that.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. And this is a real, you know, side road question, if you will, um, but and it could probably be a, a podcast topic in itself, but do you think it is essential for for managers or leaders to have that hands-on experience with the likes of Kubernetes?
1: I personally, I think it's important that uh, uh, maybe not that you have on all the new fancy tools and things that are coming out and so on, but that you have some type of technical background. Personally, I also have around uh, seven years or something where I worked technically uh, in in uh, first and services for two years, and then I moved to uh, Postnor, worked there for five years as a system engineer, where I was uh, sitting and managing servers, applications, VMware, SQL databases. You can yeah Linux servers and so on. You can uh, yeah, uh, uh, name a lot of the the environments, uh, um, and uh, I think that is. Great quite important if you are in a technical uh, role, and if you are, sorry, in more like a technical leadership role, I think it's important that you have some type of understanding of what is it uh, that you are dealing with, what is it that you can kind of grasp the technicalities of what your engineers are working with, uh, and you also are able to translate uh, basically from what the engineers are saying. And then maybe translate it to uh, some a little bit higher managerial uh, 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 contexture where they have a uh, need need of less um, known details and so on. Uh, so you kind of a little bit you need to be able to translate the technical uh, uh, situation to be a little bit less technical to get upper management with you on uh, on board of of uh, of uh, yeah the technical choices.
2: I, I feel like we agree on a lot of points, Kenneth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so so we, we have uh, in the company, you know, different departments, different uh, managers and, and so forth. Um, and the ones and, and we don't have that many of them, at least not the ones that I'm in contact with. But the ones that do have the technical background, definitely, uh, th- that is definitely, you know, a plus, uh, from my perspective, compared to people who might come from the, the business side of things. It's a lot more difficult, it seems, uh, at least with uh, where I've been, for them to kind of connect with engineers and kind of understand where should we prioritize, they end up giving unreasonable time limits, they end up, uh, you know, pushing the business agenda, which is, you know, definitely important. But if you're pushing like 70% or 60% solutions uh, to your company, that's going to, you know, turn around and bite you in the ass uh, down the road, and then someone's going to get mad. And, and hopefully that manager is not, not, no longer there because otherwise he's in, problem, uh, in trouble. So yeah. uh, I, I do think that are some benefits uh, on that side.
1: Yeah, but it's of course also, uh, I mean, it is a challenge. Uh, I know a lot of companies sit with this challenge to both get people who are uh, technical to understand the the, the, the the elements of what they, they need to invest in and, and so on, uh, while also being, let's say politically, uh, Uh, adherent enough to uh, be able to deal with the upper layer uh, 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 politics and so on. Uh, That is a a challenge to find the right people uh, in that regard. Uh, uh, I I also can hear that you are coming from a, a fairly technical background and that gives you uh, it it just makes things much easier to understand it. As you say, also project timelines and stuff like that, it's, it's the same thing every time we deal with a business manager. We say, okay, it's going to take two months, and then they come and say, well, can you do it in one? And then it's like, no, we have already estimated for two months, and that's kind of what we expect it to be done. Well, while uh, we have technical, uh, sorry, upper level uh, uh, people in the organization who is like having absolutely no grasp around uh, uh what you need to implement and uh, so on it's just just install a system that takes you know a day and then it's working you know that's kind of what they think it's just a press a button and then things are, are online well they don't think about like the whole technical layer about oh we also need to build all the rules the, the policies and uh, we need to uh, set up all the uh authentic groups connected to uh, IGA, connected to uh, CM tools, all this kind of stuff uh, that is uh, uh, also uh, uh, things you need to have to have in a, at least an enterprise business. Yeah.
2: So we, we actually have a, a really good case at the moment uh, to, that illustrates the point here. Um, for a long time, uh, network the network side of, of things where, uh, you know, you write uh, Change request, I want to go from source to destination, this is what I want to open, this is the, the approved design, blah, 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 so forth. And and you send in like this Excel sheet that kind of outlines it, someone picks it up and then start implementing it. And it's been a huge bottleneck for a long time. And then, you know, someone does a typo, something's wrong. And, and, now, and, and it's just been, I think, without any exaggerations, there are five people on a daily basis that are doing this from the, you know, show up at work. And when they go home, that's kind of what they do. And that is five expensive resources to do monkey work, uh, and I'm sorry to say because it is, you know, just implementing rules that is in monkey work. So we are implement- we're in the process of implementing this uh, policy based uh, network rules where you yeah. basically you have uh, all the, the network defined and then you can say, I have something of this kind that wants to do this and want to do that. And then everything hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed it's not implemented yet. It's in the process, but, you know, ideally you'd, uh, you know, provide the information and then the policies are applied. And when you remove that kind of rule, then the policies are removed. Uh, bring up five uh, FTEs to do something that's a lot more sensible, like improving or uh, evolving the existing uh, foundation we have.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean... It, uh, uh, as I mentioned, we could do a whole podcast topic on that that subject in particular. Uh, <laughs> and you know, thinking about it, I, I think I might do now. Actually, it's a good idea for a future episode. So, I mean, in, uh, guys,
1: <laughs> definitely take take one about uh, uh, ITIL and organizational uh, you know uh, improvements that you uh, because the I, I also been in companies or uh, been supporting companies that's been extremely heavy. So extremely heavy on the whole change process and how you're going to develop things and build things into that. It's basically management comes and says, ah, oh, it just takes two weeks. Just go and do it. And then it's like, yeah, but your change process alone takes three weeks, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, of things to, uh, to, to improve upon. And, uh, uh we at, at least in my company, I have uh, gotten them, uh, adherent to that, uh, we can't do a lot of things without change uh, uh, of, uh, as long as it's not hitting our production uh, customers and stuff like that. So, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things that still needs the change process, but there's a, a big potential in uh, really doing uh, um, operational improvements and operational uh, uh, better endeavours for for a lot of IT organisations who is stuck in all types of bureaucracy uh, in general, that is coming from a a leadership who doesn't understand IT. Therefore, they require instead that other people who don't understand IT is controlling the people who does know IT. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I
2: think that was well put. Yeah.
0: Anything to add on that, Lassa? Come, sorry. Anything to add on that?
2: No, no. I, I think that was uh, fairly well put. Uh, that yeah. you uh, that you put uh, that you do exactly that. But that strokes a little bit back to Kenneth's earlier statement that having someone with a technical background then can translate the technical, which was the aspects of a project or a subject to management or other management does provide a lot of value because you can hopefully improve on the business and operations processes due to that person.
0: Okay. Yeah. And just bringing it back to, to Kubernetes, um, what do you think, or or is there even any alternatives out there? I, I, I think at the moment, this is like the peak technology. I mean, I think, uh,
1: well, I know that Kubernetes is consi- cons- uh, constantly evolving it is uh, there's coming new features new functionalities all the time to the, uh, the 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 baseline product of kubernetes and there's coming more and more vendors who is uh, delivering uh, kubernetes services uh, to it uh, obviously uh, I, I i i think that obviously something in the future is going to come along <laughs> that most likely is going to sweep off kubernetes uh, uh, but i think that's at least 10 years in the future yeah or maybe more. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I know uh, I don't recall his name, uh, but the people that initially developed uh, or was part of the initial Kubernetes project was talking about that they uh, were looking into something new. But as you said, when that is uh, coming or whether it will be competitive with Kubernetes, that's a good question. As for alternatives, I was thinking, well, you do have stuff like people that talk about functions as a service and, and so forth. But underneath that is really just, you know, virtualization again. And I, I think it's difficult to find something that I would replace Kubernetes with for this kind of workload. uh, Then you're downgrading a thing, but you could use Docker swarm, but uh, that's just, you know. Or something else. It was just yeah, yeah. That came to my uh, mind, we have right?
1: Docker Swarm and have had it for, for for many years, but uh, now everyone is like uh, Kubernetes and kind of want to go that direction. So, uh, if, uh, if, if, yeah, if we have we have a, a large Docker Swarm as well, hosted by something like 200 virtual servers in in Sweden. But uh, the, 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 the people are now uh, considering, let's say, okay, we we should maybe soon upgrade that, and then they are looking into Kubernetes. You know.
2: So that's kind of the thing, right? So you have it, but it seems like it's, uh, you know, that was the initial step. That was That's legacy at this point. It's not like you're thinking, let's spin up uh, new dogs moms. Let's, uh, no, <laughs> it's more like let's migrate to, to Kubernetes. So um, if there is a tool out there that could take Kubernetes place, I think I'm a little bit behind because I cannot think of what it should be, at least for this uh, kind of workloads.
1: Yeah. Yeah, same here. So yeah, um, I do think at the moment the next the next uh, ten years at least, I think Kubernetes is gonna be uh, the hype, especially in the whole um, uh, whole development areas and so on. Besides all of the advantages, it also just gives to the the standard uh, OS operation and so on. Uh, 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 I really think that is where it's a lot of companies is gonna push. Um, uh, their, uh, their their environments, but I think it's also quite important that people uh, uh, do a proper um, uh, session first. You know, about architectural session, design session, before they just choose. Now we go with Kubernetes for everything. Because if it's just you know uh, Active Directory server you need, or it's, uh, it's something. Uh, uh, like just the NTP, uh, net time pro- uh, protocol, for example. This is things that doesn't need it. You know, there's a lot of things in the in the in the IT infrastructure that is providing services uh, uh, in general that does not need a Kubernetes swarm because it doesn't need the scalability. It just need a stable server that can deliver this uh, for five years, and and then it needs to be replaced with an upgraded version of that type of uh, service. Yeah. Yeah
0: and you briefly touched on the that you think it will be the 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 hype over the next 10 years kind of what are your thoughts Lata? do do you agree do you think the future of kubernetes is bright or what's your take
2: i don't think it's going anywhere at the moment that's for sure i think uh, the focus will be around the supporting elements uh, so that means uh, new operators, new new whatever fleet management. How do we make fleet management even better? How do we uh, make uh, how do we create transparency in the Kubernetes clusters? Uh, I think that's something that uh, I know we have been working on for quite some time and are now just starting to get a grasp of in terms of, and this relates a little bit to multi-tenancy on the Kubernetes clusters. So that means having you might have different projects running on it. How do you differentiate differentiate the cost between those? So that's kind of the surrounding things. So I think that's going to be the big plus. Uh, I think Kubernetes and in and of itself um, will improve, but I don't think there'll be any any uh, milestones breaking in the next couple of years in terms of, of that. It, it will be all the you know uh, functionalities that are improved, enhanced, and uh, so forth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but uh, yeah, I, I fully agree, Leslie. Yeah. And I, what I, I what I think is just that companies that is thinking about going into kubernetes and so on they just need to really sit down with their technical people and uh, and uh, and really do a proper proper assessment of where do we want to go with uh, uh, the infrastructure how do we are we going to support it Um, uh, because those type of things are coming up and and they need to have answers for those things as they are starting to build up uh, this new uh, Kubernetes uh, environment and, and uh, cluster services and so on. Because you can also uh, very well end up, yes, you can always get a Kubernetes cloud, but but how are you orchestrating it? How are you doing upgrades? How are you managing accesses into it? And all this kind of stuff, uh, uh, how are you taking uh, it back, uh, back up uh, uh, of the things and all of the things needs to still be set up and configured and, 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 and uh, built with policies and so on. Uh, but when it's running and when it's just uh, working, it's a uh, uh, smooth sailing,
0: yeah.
2: Absolutely, it's fantastic when, it's, when you got those things, then it is really, you know, reducing time to market by an in- incredible amount of time. Yeah, nice. It's...
0: Is there anything at all that you guys feel as though though we've not covered any any hot topics that you'd like to go down any final rabbit holes? So, I mean, in relation to Kubernetes, right? Because I have plenty of rabbit holes <laughs> to go down.
2: <laughs> so,
1: no, I think we have covered it uh, at least in, in a good way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for, for Kubernetes specifically, I, I, I don't have anything in particular. Then we start uh, moving into the surrounding areas like uh development life cycles uh, delivery systems uh are you doing DevOps are you doing GitOps when do you go from DevOps to platform operation or uh, what do you call, mm. call that uh platform engineering you know uh I think that part I can I we can definitely you know spend an hour or two on uh, but for Kubernetes yeah. itself specifically I think I don't nothing comes to mind at the moment okay
0: well in that case guys I'm more than happy to, to have you guys back on the podcast whenever you want. And we can talk about another topic. For now, on the Kubernetes side of things, as you said, I, you guys are the experts. I'll take your word for it that there's no other rabbit holes to go down. Before we end the podcast, though, I do need to say a massive thanks to, to the guests again today. Lassa and Kenneth, excellent conversation. For the listeners as well, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on the podcast in future, drop me a message as well jake stamp you can find me on linkedin or email me at stamp at evolution-nordics.com thanks again to the guests and thanks for listening